Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to Generation Digital Workforce. This is Michael Marchuk, and on our show today, we have Eric Maloney, who is the Director of Strategy for Advisory Partners at Blue Prism. Welcome, Eric. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here. So we've had all kinds of discussions in the marketplace about the whole generation working with millennials and Gen Z and whatnot. Um, these cross-generational workforce challenges have always been in the workplace, even from when I started my job back in the olden days. We had multiple generations of workers. What What's different and why should we focus on that specifically when we're talking about digital workers? Well, that's actually a good question. I mean, there are, there are a lot of reasons and it's convergence of reasons, actually. Uh, when you were in the workforce, when I started, we're about the same age, I would, I would estimate, uh, you really had a two and a half generation type of uh, arrangement. You would have the, the senior leaders who were sunsetting, who were running the organization, uh, bringing in the next generation of middle and upper management. Uh, you would have the the, the peak uh, earners uh, running most of the company and most of the population. You'd have the upcoming generation. Right? You'd have the interns and the and the trainees and the associates. And it really would have those two and a half generations. Uh, and that's been historically true for almost all labor forces around the world, but definitely in the modern era. Up until probably the last 20, 25 years, uh, and now you're seeing not only two or three, sometimes four, and in odd cases, five generations uh, of people in the same workforce. And it's not just uh, outliers, uh, not just individual private companies. Uh, it could be anything from uh, interesting startups to Fortune 500 companies. They're seeing an age gap that they've never seen before in, in the workforce, and they have to find a way to help these people collaborate and work efficiently together. So this actually does, it goes beyond simply the commercial space, because I see this a lot in the public sector too. Are there any differences that you see between commercial and public sector in terms of the, the generational gaps? Well, that's actually a good question there. It is different. Uh, a lot of the public sector uh, labor uh, rules are still in effect where people have the opportunity of retiring after plus 80, which is your total age and the year's work, you start being eligible for retirement. Some of those rules are being relaxed. There are more exceptions in that space. Um, but even in that world, you're seeing a turnover in the generations where you would have the baby boomers really running the bulk of the, the leadership and, and, and the uh, operations of, of an organization. With the rapid retirement, there are certain roles that you're having a, a new generational mix. A uh, simple example would be accounting. Uh, the baby boomers were the last generation that really got a lot of the CPA certifications. And now it's really people in their uh, early 20s who are the next generation of CPAs. So there's a mixed generation in between uh, the Gen Zs and the, and the baby boomers uh, that are going to be working in the public sector. And then in, in, the, in the private sector, as I said before, um, you do need a lot of the skills that 
each generation brings. It's not that the eldest people have the most skills. They have obviously the most experience. Uh, there are people who are much more tech savvy and, and uh, younger in, in the organization. And there's just a, an interesting mix that each generation is bringing something to the table. And how do you, again, as I said earlier, orchestrate that or allow those people to interplay in a way that they're comfortable with yet um, can work across those divides. So one of the aspects of this type of show, our Generation Digital Workforce, is to highlight the concepts of a digital workforce. Now, I've heard a number of different definitions of digital workers and what they are uh, from workers who have access to tools like AI that support this whole concept of being digital. Um, I've heard it from the perspective of uh, workers who are of a specific age group or in a specific um, generation, Gen Zs, for example, are the digital group because they've known nothing but, uh, you know, a phone in their pocket that has access to Google and, and can translate anything. What's your definition of a digital worker in this context? So it's a, it's a different definition depending, I guess, on the origin of where you're coming from. Uh, I work at Blue Prism, and our idea of a digital worker is really a a cloud-based or, or server-based instance of automation that can be trained to perform functions and identify applications and, and data uh, and be trained to interact with them in an iterative way. They start behaving, I wouldn't say like people, but in predictable ways uh, with clear uh, exceptions to either involve uh, human feedback or other outside systems such as AI engines or ML engines. So over time, think of a digital worker as a trained process that people can interact with in a semi-autonomous or an autonomous way. The digital worker can go out and do its own work and produce its own results. And at the end of the day, uh, its reports are done or its accounts payables are processed. But the context of what I'm talking about here today and the, the generational impact of digital workers is a digital worker can be trained to interact with people. If you have a collaboration space, you would add one more member to their collaboration team. And that would be a digital worker who's been trained to retrieve information, format or render information, uh, capture information, create team notes from a collaboration experience. So a digital worker is really something conceptually like a junior associate entity that will be treated almost like uh, a person. It will be treated as a member of the team, but as a discrete member of the team. So do you see the various human generations interacting differently with these digital workers? Or do they all interact with them the same way? I mean, how do you approach that from a multi-generational workforce? Well, actually, that's what's key here. The digital workers um, are unlike people in that they can work in multi-channel at the same time. They can receive an email and send back a text. They can go to a web page, discern information, and generate a, a set of text for people to syndicate and as a memo or some other white paper. They can work in many directions uh, off the same information, and they can do this 24-7, uh, 365. So the value of having a digital worker interplay with cross-generational uh, teams is a traditional worker who's much um, more mature in their 70s or over, they're not necessarily taking the copious notes in the meeting. They're not necessarily doing a lot of the interchange during the meeting. They do a lot of preparation for the meeting, and they're expecting memorialized artifacts coming out of the meeting. So the digital worker for that individual would be trained to provide that information in the format he or she would like. Meanwhile, 
a Gen X person is more uh, asymmetric in how they they look at information. They might be capturing uh, some both sides information. They may be sending emails during a collaboration session trying to get information. Uh, and a digital worker could capture and, and render information that makes the Gen X person much more comfortable with consuming information rendered through that channel and so on and so forth. So if you have one digital worker, it could be working um, with people who are used to showing up for a, pre a prescribed period of time to be in a meeting and other people who are used to working quite independently, uh, like a millennial, give me my tasks, let me work on my own, let me come back and provide to the team. Well, if he has a digital worker uh, in the collaboration space representing him, we're giving information to him and, 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 and action items generated from other team meetings, uh, millennial will be quite happy to be a virtual team member. Ironically, the digital worker will be in attendance and the millennial will be the virtual worker. So th there are many permutations of this, but to directly answer your question, you want the digital worker because it actually smooths over the different ways that the different generations interact with each other. So when you're talking about this digital worker, um, how does it get to know what it knows? I mean, you're talking about uh, programming? Do you program these things to make them work? Uh, how do you train them? Do they have? Do they adapt magically to the work over time? What happens when you actually have a digital worker doing work? Well, what's interesting about the approach of Blue Prism, they have a, a low-code or no-code environment. It's really an object-oriented environment. So once you understand the types of objects you want the digital worker to interact with, uh, say uh, Microsoft Teams as a platform, it can easily be trained to understand how to uh, initiate a chat, how to read a chat, how to uh, start a meeting or end a meeting, all the other functions that you would have with that uh, that platform. So um, we call those virtual business objects. You know, how, do, how does it interact with the things around it, the applications and services? It really is a pretty short process for uh, a digital worker to be trained to interact with things. The more interesting aspect is how it interacts with people. And really, it comes back from what people expect from it, to have people say, my preferred method uh, or channel of communication of a, with a digital worker is going to be through text or through email or through meeting notes. Well, you, you will send those requirements to the analyst who's going to train the digital worker to, uh, on cue in uh, a session, uh, be ready to respond to individuals who who requested those those types of channels to be responded to in that way. So you could have three or four or five different types of team members all working on the same project, uh, training the digital worker to interact with it in, in three or five, three or four or five discrete path or, uh, paths or methods. So it is somewhat of a, an iterative process. If you learn new things you want to collaborate on uh, and sharing that information in new ways. And that is actually a, a, one of the rapid growth areas in technology today is something called ICT, which is the Informational Communications Technology Platform. It's a standard in Europe that's breaking out around the world. Is really all the collaboration tools are getting much more complex and dynamic and how people can collaborate. You can train the digital worker on these new uh, metrics of collaboration and outputs from the collaboration, and it will be able to recognize those artifacts uh, and interact with them or generate the artifacts for the other uh, entities and the collaboration to, to leverage. So it's an ongoing process, but it's just like training a person. 
you train a digital worker very much like you train a person. Assume it's a junior associate, and the more sophisticated it gets, the more you interact with it. So you mentioned a couple of times that the artifacts are, um, you know, interacting with various applications and chatbots, and it creates all these inter intricate things. Um, but you also mentioned that it's very easy to train them like you would train a new employee. Um, I've trained a bunch of new employees, and it, sometimes it's not that easy to train a new employee. Um, as you build these out over time, does it get more complicated or complex to maintain and sustain this kind of digital worker? Well, actually, I think it does get easier over time. It's a, a concept of continuous improvement and continuous delivery. If you adopt that model when training a digital worker, uh, the question is where you might want to start. And, and you want to start someplace where it can do a few basic things that the people in the collaboration space around it would be challenged to do. So therefore, they would turn to it because they know, oh, it, it is very good at invoking a, an AI service or machine learning, coming back with, say, some natural language translation of some some content or or interpreting what an image is or, or counting things within an image, things that the team would need to collect this information so they can progress in whatever their their task that they're collaborating on is about. So you start training the digital worker to engage these types of services, these high value services that humans uh, go through a lot of training separately to engage those services and with varying levels of success and consistency. If you train the digital worker to invoke these services, you would get consistent activity, uh, consistent usage of those services through the digital worker. And now there would be an increased trust of why you would want to have one in your collaboration space. Over time, you can expand the functions to uh, go from beyond uh, rudimentary questions of what is this or, or count that for me to uh, can you start building some models for me? So we can have a, a workflow model or we could have other things. If you teach a digital worker how to render uh, workflow templates, uh, it could actually be a small project manager or perform simple project management functions for the team. It all depends on what you want to train it to do and what resources you make available to the digital worker to employ. And uh, the sky's the limit. It really depends on the type of organization, the type of work that has to be done, and the type of human resources that interact with it. But really, there is not a limitation uh, on what you can train a digital worker to do because digital workers in the Blue Prism automation platform can interact with anything a human can interact with. So you can train it to work with anything, not just with an API or a published service. You could train it to work with a legacy system and call out some information from a system of record uh, that's mainframe based. And you could still have that information seamlessly shared with the team uh, in any channel they prefer uh, in short notice or, or in the context of, of the collaboration. So it's okay. You can do a lot of things with it. Um, I imagine some of those things are fairly technical, as you kind of mentioned, talking about, about interacting with the mainframe, interacting with other things. Um, you, you assume you get the IT team involved to help support some of this stuff. It's, this is not just drop a, a robot on the desktop and let it run, right? Correct. It doesn't live on anybody's desktop. It, it, it can interact with people. As I said before, if, if somebody wants to pop up on their desktop as, as a message from the digital worker, it can do that. But the digital worker is not going to reside on a desktop. It's not going to be called like a macro. Uh, you would only engage your IT um, when you're ready to take some action. So 
you really want to think about digital workers uh, being trained by the business people they're going to be working with. What is it that you need them to do? Uh, I gave the example of go to the system of record and maybe give me some client information. Well, somebody in the collaboration team knows I get that from this particular system. It happens to be a mainframe system. I go to the simulator and that's how I get it. At that point, you would likely get somebody who understands that backend system to validate that this workflow is a valid workflow. Make sure that now this digital worker could be onboarded to access the backend system. It could have the credentials and go in and, and generate the information necessary for that collaboration. Yes, at that point, you would want to get your IT risk and your, and your IT people involved to make sure that you're asking it to do something that you're, it's allowed to perform and that it's set up to do it in the way it's supposed to perform it. The nice thing about looking at a digital worker uh, is as an abstraction is once it's trained to deal with these legacy systems and backend systems, people don't have to interact directly with those backend systems anymore. Every time they go to a digital worker and say, please generate this report, uh, they'll get it through the digital worker, through its account, through the audit log of everything the digital worker was asked to do or attempted to do, you're now protecting that backend system from human error and potentially malicious activity from bad actors. Because the only way you're going to get to that backend system over time, or at least through this scenario, is through a digital worker that's been trained to only do approved actions with that backend system. Okay, so it's interesting you brought that up because I think of um, I think from a generational perspective, um, folks in perhaps uh, our generation or older um, might look at this digital workforce with some suspicion um, or or would say that perhaps you know what happens if the if the robot goes rogue i mean we've all seen terminator and the problem is that that has been burned into our mind from our our youth and and as we move forward we start looking at at these automations as potentially threatening versus potentially a um a millennial or gen z who comes in and says hey i want everything to be automatic because it makes it much more um straightforward for me to interact with that so how do you resolve that well, it's kind of a, a question of culture and, and psychology, uh, which is really what you have to address to, to get a, an effective collaboration going with any group of people. And if you do it well, the digital worker will facilitate that because there is a problem if you go to a millennial or Gen Z who says, if you give me the data, I'll have the answer. I'll just give me access. They have to understand there's as I said earlier, uh, some protocol, some corporate risk compliance that has to be adhered to. Um, you don't want information made available or exposed to uh, actors outside of the collaboration team uh, while you're still in development. So they need to have themselves uh, working within uh, an environment where those controls might be uh, in place through the digital worker. They can still ask the same questions and they can still get basically the same information, but now in a method uh, that there are some controls. On the other side of the uh, spectrum, you might have a, a baby boomer who was so used to saying, oh, I, I'm, I'm gonna be able to do it. I'll put the hours in. I, I'll figure out how these backend systems work. Is it really germane to the business outcomes that they're tasked to, to work on and, and to provide? Really, if you have them understand that working with something like a digital worker liberates them from a lot of the mundane, complex, uh, time-consuming, somewhat error-prone processes that they often do, uh, then they can focus on those things. The problem of not 
thinking of a digital coworker first is that you're you're condemning yourself to a tremendous amount of uh, tasks and 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 administrivia that otherwise you could have avoided. Uh, and if you can teach each of these generations that they modify not what they work on as far as outcome, they all should share a common outcome, but to facilitate what they need, when they need it, how they access it in a way they're comfortable with, it makes everything that comes up behind that experience um, just irrelevant. What system is coming from, uh, how how it was rendered here at this time, how somebody else might be seeing it, that's all going to be worried about uh, by the people who are training the digital worker. To, and, and, and it's going to keep track of those things for, for the workers that are, are focused on tasks. So I can see how business users might... Um look toward a digital coworker and maybe in, engage with it more readily because it ends up, um, you know, offloading some tasks for it or, or, or being able to support it along a broader process. Um, but if you think about the IT teams, they're already pretty darn tech, tech savvy as, as we go forward. So why would they care about a digital workforce when they could script all this stuff themselves? Well, actually, I'll, I'll give you and an interesting thing where sometimes you have to collaborate over distance. Uh, COVID-19 uh, is kind of a something as a wake-up call for uh, remote workers and virtual teams and the pressures that that causes. Uh, one idea that IT teams might look at is if your digital worker lives with your systems, it's in your data centers, it's in your cloud subscription, wherever you might do much of your work, it is going to live there with the least latency and with the most security. And the more it's trained to do mundane tasks like uh, prefetch information for daily reports, do critical monitoring, um, collect uh, aggregate information from different systems that are in place for different parts of their technology stack or application stacks, um, their world will be transformed because now the amount of information that they need to render remotely, uh, the the number of steps that they have to execute remotely drops tremendously. So their roles become much more uh, focused on maintaining corporate risk controls, maintaining um, a, a set of information to uh, bring to their leadership uh, in a timely or you know, near real-time manner. So you, you want to think of how a digital worker would not only interplay with you, but where it would reside and how you're going to leverage it to optimize uh, on tasks that were, would be onerous for remote workers to do, especially in IT. Uh, and again, IT is very special in that they have many utilities and, and specialized management components to their uh, toolkit that you don't want exposed to the outside world. Because if a bad actor had access to that utility, they could immediately see uh, all of the assets on your network or, or they could see configuration information of your network or worse, access controls and compromise them for your, for your environment. Even though uh, the IT worker needs those tools, they're never going to go away. You could introduce the digital worker as a way of safeguarding those utilities. It could only create predefined reports for the uh, IT worker to perform his or her job discreetly. So when you have the collaboration team, they all go through the digital worker, but they only get back what's necessary for them to do their jobs. And now 
those people are less dependent on um, access to the backend systems, warts and all, uh, too much information, misplaced information, uh, errors in information that they they may uh, introduce by interacting directly with those, um, I won't call them legacy systems, but let's just say um, uh, highly uh, uh, risk um, risk-inducing or, or risk-liable uh, systems. So, you know, being an old IT guy in every sense the word that I came up with in my career in IT and now I'm old, as we look at the uh, the, the activities that happen within IT, oftentimes uh, we can streamline all kinds of activities within a particular system, but we have a whole lot of manual activities that go across systems where they don't talk to each other. Yeah. Is that a, a place where you, you could find a digital worker helping IT folks out? Well, it's a good lead. Of course, it's, a, it's an ideal place. Any place where you might think of a swivel chair, where now it's not just a collaboration among people, but it's somebody trying to orchestrate information across applications. That's actually one of the, the most foundational use cases of a digital worker, is it can be trained to work across uh, copying and pasting information, formatting information from one system that it collected it from and, and employing it in another. Uh, it can be used to populate Excel sheets. It can be uh, a substitute for very rigid scripts or macros where now you can create a digital worker workflow which is a bit more dynamic, doesn't have these these variables embedded in, in the uh, scripts. Uh, you know, there are many wonderful use cases for for applying a digital worker in that case. Uh, so, I'm, but that's different than the topic at hand, which is really interaction between people or people filling out different roles in a team. Once you're at a table or desk, I should say, uh, looking at multiple screens uh, and trying to navigate them as an individual, uh, that's a wonderful different set of use cases for employing a digital worker to, to help you orchestrate that, that activity. So, Digital workers can, you know, orchestrate activities across multiple systems, and uh, you can train them easily and whatnot. Um, what else would you use digital workers beyond team collaboration? Well, there's uh, this concept of just outcome planning. The reason that we talked about collaboration today is every task force, every collaboration group has an outcome that they're, they they have to produce. Otherwise, there's no reason to assemble the team. So once you define what your outcome is, uh, you can really uh, have an efficient outcome planning, outcome strategy, outcome resource allocation. Everything starts flowing. The project takes shape. Take that now out of just a collaboration space, but into the implementation of the solution. If you have outcome planning for uh, customer retention or customer satisfaction, and you're able to take all the skills we've talked about over the last several minutes that a digital worker could provide to people and apply that to call centers and support centers. So we could prefetch information and provide uh, customers uh, all the information they need and carry out discrete tasks for them uh, in a controlled way so they wouldn't have the tens of minutes of can you hold please while I find that system and find that record can you hold please while I get permission to update this information for you you could completely change the dynamic or the outcome of how you engage with say a customer or a partner providing that type of support experience because the digital workers would all know what roles they could play what information they could fetch as soon as that call is answered from that customer or partner, they'll know the context 
they'll know the records that might be necessary to uh, provide. They'll know uh, based on the authentication for that session from the customer or partner who they're dealing with, what tasks they can execute. So now if it's a simple request for an address change and they collected enough information in the uh, process of, of engaging the customer, the digital worker can change the address. This may sound trivial, but if you go into many large enterprises, this is something that takes tens of minutes and often uh, requires a callback or a follow-up email once this whole process is completed because there are so many barriers to the uh, rights of the people in the organization to carry out these tasks, the awareness of the people and the level of training of people of how to carry out these tasks, and then, of course, um, the clarity on what the customer was asking for and meeting the requirement. The, the last irony here is with natural language process and sentiment analysis, digital workers can actually sometimes be uh, in, employed to help a call center resource know that a customer is upset and what they're upset about. They're calling because they got double billed. Uh, they're calling because uh, of the latency in the last distribution of a payment they were due, something along those lines. So. It's going to be very interesting that a digital worker can actually enhance the human experience uh, for not only the customers and partners, but the people who work with it. And I think that's the outcome that we're going to start seeing is you're going to have cultural transformation. You're going to see a complete digital transformation uh, of, of technology impacting the the culture and and the and the corporate transformation of so the organization. That that leads to a, a, my final question, which really is around um, back to the whole generations. You talk about digital transformation and the generations that it's impacting, um, and the culture that that supports that. So, how would you stay? How what would you say to each one of the generations, starting from the Gen Z to Millennial to Gen Xers to Boomers? about this whole digital transformation and working with digital work for workers? If you look at it this way, it's the constant. If you are a, a, a baby boomer or a millennial or, or any generation self-defined, you sometimes consciously or un unconsciously think of how you're going to interact with somebody else who has a different background. If you start realizing that you're going to always deal the same way in the way that you've defined for yourself to interact with a digital worker, it makes it much easier for you to generate value, complete some work that can be shared with others through that digital worker's experience. Because over time, I think everyone else is going to start understanding that they are going to have that same commonality as well. It's not that they won't deal with you directly uh, as a person. But they'll know when it comes to work tasks and documentation and, and, and other materials, it's going to be much easier to work consistently through a digital worker than it might be to try to normalize that information for yourself with other people from other generations. Well, thank you. I appreciate your insight into that. And everyone else, I appreciate you joining us for Generation Digital Workforce. Until next time, I'm Michael Marchuk from Blue Prism. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. 
And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Mm -hmm.